I think being a, a leader as a coach is difficult, but I think coaching your players to be leaders is far, far, far more difficult. I think that is one of the most difficult things to do in coaching. We don't let little things pass us by, and I think that's part of that hard-nosed culture. We expect perfection. Hello and welcome to Ahead of the Curve. I am Jonathan Gellner, and thank you so much for being here. This episode is brought to you by Baseball Cloud. Baseball Cloud's revolutionary software platform brings to life the numbers captured by TrackFan and FlightScope. This provides colleges, players, and facility owners around the world a turnkey product, allowing them to analyze their data using key metrics and custom visualizations on one intuitive user interface. Go to BaseballCloud.com to find out how you can have your own data analytics department for your program. Data has a story to tell, and Baseball Cloud gives it a voice. Today's episode features Matt Denny, the head baseball coach for Mountain Point High School in Phoenix, Arizona. In both years at Mountain Point, they have made the state tournament, and at the time of this recording, they had 31 home runs in 28 games, leading the state. In a two-year span at his former stop, Greenway High School, Denny coached his club to a record of 70-7, winning 29 straight games, tying a state record, and winning a state championship. His 2014 team earned the Max Preps Medium School rank of number one in the country, and Denny was named Arizona Baseball Coaches Association Coach of the Year. A little bit more about Matt, five of his former players are currently in professional baseball, including three big leaguers. He has served as a longtime coach of the Arizona Sunbelt team, which showcases the state's best talent, and sends them to the mecca of baseball heaven in, you guessed it, Oklahoma. He is also a member of the Team USA Baseball Task Force, used to identify and select national team players. Denny played baseball at Phoenix College, South Mountain College, go Cougs, and Grand Canyon University. On the show, Matt walks us through what a typical training session looks like, how and why he has developed a hard-nosed culture in his baseball program, and he also shares with us some different methods that he uses to help players overcome fear and mistakes. You're going to love this one with Matt Denny. Coach Denny, welcome to Ahead of the Curve. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. I'm, uh, I listen quite a bit uh, to the podcast and uh, just have some outstanding people on all the time. So I'm honored and uh, humbled to, uh, to be on. Thank you. Definitely. Absolutely. And there were several different people that actually told me that I needed to get you on the show. So after you hear it multiple times from different people, then I knew you'd be a perfect guest and a perfect fit. And after talking with you the last couple of weeks about some different things, uh, you're absolutely going to bring it today. So I appreciate you spending some time with us. And I know that during the spring, it's it's a crazy time for everyone. Uh, but thank you again for taking the time to share with us. But for those of our listeners who don't know who you are and want to get to know you a little bit better, do you mind giving us a short snapshot of why you got into coaching and where you're at currently? Yeah, I'm a Arizona native. I uh, grew up grew up here, uh, played high school baseball locally in Arizona, um, went on to play at a couple different junior colleges, Phoenix College, uh, South Mountain Community College, and then went on to play at uh, Grand Canyon University. My background, I guess, I didn't have a, a very strong uh, support system with, with my parents. And so at a young age, my, my coaches were father figures or parent figures uh, in a way, uh, not, in a, not in a disrespectful way to, to my parents necessarily, but I always, felt a, I always felt closer to coaches that were kind of leading me, making the right decisions and, and uh, just 
just always around the game. Um, I think that when you, you know, have an escape and you can get to baseball and you can be around your friends and do things like that. That's really how I fell in love with the game of baseball. It wasn't necessarily a sport as much as it was the camaraderie and the teamwork and the coaches. And so that kind of is a backbone of my, my coaching career. I, I never was the most talented player on a team that I played on, to be honest. I don't think I, I don't remember ever being the most talented player on the team. So I knew that I had to work harder. I knew I had to be a good teammate. I knew I had to do little things to make myself successful. And I've kind of just carried that on to, you know, all the teams that I've coached and uh, whether they're, they're good teams or bad teams, successful, unsuccessful. I demand those things that, that I knew that I needed to do. And I think that's been a little bit of the reason why we've had some successful teams. Um, I, I really believe that. Oh, I love that. And I think that, uh, that I've had two huge influences on my life, just like you have and Todd Easton and David Smith. And I, you know, I think most good coaches make their way through or went to South mountain. Would you agree with that? <laughs> I think everyone, yes, every one of them. <laughs> That's awesome. No, that was a great program at the time. Uh, coach Easton was my assistant, was the assistant coach when I was there and, uh, just a great guy, hard nosed coach. And, mm-hmm. uh, I played for coach Lopez who, to this day was was the best coach I've played for. Mm. He knew when to be serious. He was a players coach at time. He was he let players be, you know, freed up and do their thing, which, you know, that's 15, 16, 17 years ago. That that wasn't always the case. There was a lot of coaches that were kind of, you know, pigeonholing guys and making them do things their way and and I just saw a different light when I played played for him and yeah, South's a great great program with a lot of guys going through there. Uh tough program. Absolutely. Well, uh, let's go ahead and, and jump into the uh, to the fall segment. I always like starting in the off season just to see where you came from, to see where we're at currently in the spring. And so let's start in the fall. And you know, talk to us about your program. What did what did you guys do this last fall? And what's that look for you, look like for you guys? And uh, you know, let's just walk through a typical week if that's all right. Sure. So in the fall, uh, this is my third year at Mount Point High School. Um, I was at a at a school, uh, Greenway High School, for uh, 14 years before this. And so the last couple of falls have really been about trying to get a grasp on what guys can do and what they can't do. And that I feel like that takes some time to do. So we've done less development the first two years uh, than we did this last fall. We will do a lot more of uh, technique stuff. We'll do bunting technique and base running technique uh, to the point where we'll video just our jumps and leads with base running or we'll video our bunting and we don't, we don't move on really as a program until we can get those things taken care of. And that includes everyone in our program to make sure that they're going to be able to do the small things for us that are going to help us win in May. And so we, you know, we don't skip things. We we're very intentional about what things need to happen as far as like, we have a scoring system for some of our bunts. We have, uh, our base running group, you, you can't move on to anything else that we're doing until you can, you know, do things exactly how we want them to be done. That includes how we take our lead. That includes our stance. That includes, um, we're very, very detailed with that. We did not play a lot of games in the fall. I just think these, these guys play a lot of baseball as it is. And I want us to, I want us to feel like it's Christmas when February comes around, to be honest. So we'll play, about five or six games in the fall and two tournaments 
go to Vegas for a tournament and play uh, against some really good competition over there. We're never ready for it, but we go over there just to kind of see see where we're at. Mm-hmm. But to be honest, it's it's more the fall is more for player development. We do not do a lot of team defense. We do a lot of individual work um, with with individual defense or individual stuff in the cages. We work through our, our team series. Uh, I know you had Trent Otis on, on the program. He was a assistant of mine and a, and a hitting coach for, for the high school Greenway that we talked about. And that has just been huge for us. The, the team series really gets players individually ready and also the team ready for, for the spring. So that's probably the biggest area that we spent or the biggest portion of our time is spent in the team series grouping guys and, and, being able to get them to see where they're going to be offensively in the spring so that we can make some adjustments with lineup and and things like that. Okay. And so you're talking about the team series uh, with Trent and and I've seen it and I've seen how you guys bucket guys, but probably a lot of our listeners haven't. And I know that that's a question that comes up consistently is we want to individualize as much as possible, but it's it's not easy to do so. So how have you guys planned around that, and how do you guys uh, put guys into into like groups, if that makes sense? Yeah. So you know, there's there's five or six things that we see that need to happen with a good swing, and then need to happen for you to be successful. And so we'll group guys instead of the traditional middle infielders go over here, corner guys go over here, these guys go over here, and you go through your BP groups. We kind of look and say, okay, this guy's struggling with staying in the ground. So also this guy's struggling with staying in the ground. This guy is struggling with whatever the, whatever the problem is or their vice is. And, and they'll know, we'll talk about it a lot. We'll say, okay, this is your problem. You're getting away from the things that you're successful with. Let's make sure we stay. For example, guys that are, that are leaking too much. They're, they're pushing forward and they're not staying in the ground and they're not using their legs. So we'll have different groups like that. So other players can be with like groups and a coach can work certain drills with those types, those types of players, instead of a coach trying to work with this player with staying in the ground, this player with getting around the ball, this player, whatever, whatever the, you know, swing problem is. Mm -hmm. And then we don't always do that. There are times where I'll group, I'll group guy up, but you know, like I said, he's, he's not using his legs. He's not getting in the ground. He's not getting the full, you know, he's not maximizing his swing. So we'll put him with someone that's going good and say, look at the difference. And we'll video the two of them. And we have time in the fall to do this. We'll video the two of them and we'll put them together and say, okay, look at the difference between what you're doing and what he's doing. I think that's been, that's been really good for us preparing us. And, and like I said, we're, there, when the spring comes, there's not a lot of swing uh, analysis, if you will, or, swing talk a little bit sure but not nearly as much as we do in the fall it's it's constant in the fall i love that and that's something that you know my head coach and i have been uh, discussing of what we're going to do next fall and how are we going to group guys and you so you've got how many coaches do you have in the fall we usually have three or four out there okay uh, so for just the varsity okay. just the varsity group that's awesome so we Man, have that's... two fields and we we basically split our program into we have anyone that we think has a chance to play varsity is with us in the fall. Mm-hmm. And then um, we have the lower group that we just don't see them fitting in right now, you know, that this upcoming spring. Okay. Um, Perfect. And with uh, whenever you break these groups up, are they 
I, I'm just trying to to paint a picture for the guys that, that are listening. Um, and uh-huh. so they're with their group, and do they only stay with their group the entire practice, or do it they just, just depends? Okay. Yeah, it just depends on the day. Um, okay. You know, like for example, we might have we might have a conditioning group, we, okay. and so we'll go conditioning group one. You know, depending on how many guys. Let's just say we have forty guys out there, okay. and we have groups. Uh, we have five groups. So we'll have eight guys in a group and we might have one group is conditioning. One group is base running. One group is doing individual D one group is in the cages and one group is bunting. Uh, that's a, that's a, I don't like to, like, we don't go out there and that's what we do every, every day. Mm-hmm. I definitely, and I think we'll get to later, you know, with the, uh, in the spring and different things like that. I don't want it to be the same every day. I hated that as a player. I hated knowing that I was going to go out to practice. We were going to stretch, we were going to throw, we're going to take ground balls. We're going to hit. We're going to base run. We're going to go home every day, you know? Mm-hmm. So I really take a lot of time on trying to switch it up. But as far as those groups, most of the time, yes, they will be with those groups. And when you have eight in a group, there's probably going to be two of those swing things that we talked about within that group. Okay. And so when they get to the cage, then they'll be, they'll break up again. You know, there might be four guys that are, that are losing their legs in one group. And then four guys that are, you know, hooking balls and not staying on a good line. Those guys will be in the other group and we'll have two coaches down there working with them. Perfect. I love that. And, and again, that's your, I'm, I'm jotting down ideas that we can use as well. I'm trying to steal from you, but, uh, mm-hmm. I, we, we also, we use the fall a lot for different competitions and to try and see who is competitive and if that's their nature or if it's not, but, are you guys doing something similar? And if you are, how do you guys in- integrate some competition into your practices? Yeah, we, we do. We literally do everything. I'm, I'm extremely competitive. I think all good coaches are. Our catch play is competitive. Uh, I got a throwing program from Coach Gillum, Tyler Gillum, who I respect as much as any coach. I think he's South one of the Mountain best guy. coaches in the country. Yeah, not a South Mountain guy. And we, we meet a lot, talk a lot about, you know, different things and kind of bounce ideas off each other. But he, um, he has a throwing program that I've used for about five years. I completely stole it from him, barely changed it up, but we, we keep track of that. So we have competitions before training early even starts with our catch play. Uh, our bunting is always charted in, in competing, whether or not it's just actual PO or coach writing down scores, or it's just player versus player the loser you know there's always there's always some kind of a consequence for losing whether it's push-ups or burpees or laps or a lot of times we will just we'll just do something called salute the king uh i got this from nathan choate who used to be a pitching coach at grand canyon and they throw bullpens pitcher versus pitcher almost like a game of horse and at the end of the bullpen session the losing pitcher has to get on a knee, look up at the quote unquote king and salute him. He has to shake his hands. I've added something to that. And I make our guys look the winner in the face and say, you're better than me today. And when you first start doing this, it's a little bit silly. They, they think it's funny kind of, and I, I don't take lightly to that. I say, no, 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 you're not understanding this. He's, he just beats you. He's better than you. You need to look him in the eye and not be happy about it. And in the back of your mind saying that's never going to happen again. And we kind of use those moments, whether it's, you know, it doesn't matter what the competition is. Our guys hate to salute the king now. Sometimes to the point where I have to calm them down and say, it's a competition. You lost. 
get better tomorrow, you know, just try to, so they're not uh negative emotion, I guess, rather than being competitive is different. Sure. We have some competitions when we do base running for our jumps and leads where we have two guys lined up and we have a large like construction cone. We put a tennis ball on the top of it and we go on either a whistle or an actual coach's leg lifting up as a pitcher or movement or any kind of thing like that. And we have guys just race to the cone. Usually it's about 15, 20 feet away. So you got to have a good jump. Whoever takes the tennis ball is the winner. And I let them get after it when I do that. I let them get in their face and let them know how slow their opponent was if they won and kind of really create a talking talking smack kind of atmosphere when we do that. Sure. And then one of the other things that we do is we have what I call a dump it bucket. During BP, our infielders, we take our BP defense very serious. We don't call it shag group. We call it live defense. And our outfielders, our infielders are not to be standing around. They're taking every rep very, very seriously. Um, our infielders are getting out of what we call our circle. For example, if a shortstop is you know playing shortstop during BP and there's a line drive to right field, he's obviously not going to get to that ball, but he's to pretend that his pre-pitch and his jump would allow him to get to that. So he takes four or five hard steps out of the box out of the square, uh, excuse me, circle. Mm -hmm. And then if they do make errors, we have a bucket. It's just a little small plastic classroom type trash can. And I put, uh, I painted on there, dump it on one side. And on the other side, it says next play. So if they boot a ball, the whole guys that are watching will yell, dump it. (laughs) And the guy has to get the ball and jog it over to the dump it bucket. Mm -hmm put it in there and then yell out next play and get back to his position. So it's a way to hold them accountable for defense. But I found that it, it allows, it it kind of prevents the big inning. I've had teams where it's like air, 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 you know, whether it's the same guy or multiple guys and the damage control is not very good. And I feel like that helps guys just kind of say, you know what? I made a mistake. Here we go. Next play. And, uh, 2016, we had a third baseman, our starting pitcher, in uh, the state championship game was our third baseman. So our, you know, our naturally our backup third baseman was there and he made a really big um, error in the first inning that, that uh, cost us a couple runs. And then to end the inning, he made an unbelievable double play to keep us within two runs. And uh, it was a, probably one of the best plays he's ever made. And he looked, <laughs> came in the dugout and looked at me and said, next play coach. And it was just, go. it was a really cool, really cool deal for us. So. That is very cool, and I, I like those. Those are a little bit out of the box, and I'm always looking for ways that we can do things like that. And, you know, I, I was talking with, with Trent and Dave before we got started just because they have they know you really well. They know your culture. And uh, one thing that stood out with both of those guys is they talked about you have a hard-nosed coach, culture. And we hear a lot of coaches that are griping about, you know, kids these days or whatever. And, I, you know, I, I'm always looking for ways to instill – what we want uh, with our players, and I think that they'll follow our lead. But how are you? How are you in like developing the hard nosed culture that that you want on the field and that you want to see every day? Yeah, it takes time, man. I, to be honest, it, it takes a lot more time than I thought. Um, I had great coaching staff when I was at Greenway, and, and still have a great coaching staff. But a lot of the things that you know, for for to have a culture like that, it's not just something that you can talk about and it happens. It's something that has to happen over time, and I struggled with that when I, when I took over at Mount Point because I, 
I didn't, the culture, not that it was a bad culture at all, but it was just wasn't what I wanted it to be and wasn't what I needed it to be like it was at, at the previous school. And I was kind of hard on myself saying, why can't we do this? And why can't we do this? And over time I realized because it does take time, it takes special guys. It takes just great leaders. You know, I think, I think being a, a leader as a coach is difficult, but I think coaching your players to be leaders is far, far, far more difficult. I think mm-hmm. that is one of the most difficult things to do in coaching right now, where you can let your program lead itself. And we weren't there the last couple of years. I think this year we're turning a corner and, and getting to that position. But as far as the hard nose culture, I'm hard on them every day. Like okay. literally every day I'm hard on them. They know that I'm not negative on them. If that, if that makes sense, I'm just really hard on them. Every single mistake that they make, my, my coaches and my assistants are instructed to talk about every single mistake. It doesn't matter if you're a four for four in a game with, with two pops and you make a critical error because you couldn't, your pre-pitch wasn't good. We're going to talk about the pre-pitch. Not that we're not going to talk about the offensive day, but we, we don't let little things pass us by. And I think that's part of that hard nosed culture. We expect perfection. We also talk, we talk every game about mistakes and we talk about it in front of the group. And I think that's important too. And, you know, instead of pulling the guy aside and saying, Hey man, your effort wasn't really good today. We got to do a better job with this. And he's the only one that hears it. You don't really know if those other 17, 18 guys on the team are aware, you know, are, 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 do they know that you're getting on this guy? So we talk about it in front of the whole group and it's a, we call it dinner talk. You know, it's a family atmosphere. When your brothers and sisters get in trouble, you talk about it at dinner mm-hmm. and that's yeah. what we do after every single game. You know, we just talk about it, we get it out. And I think it helps people deal with things that they're struggling with. If we have a pitcher that's really not, doesn't throw a lot of strikes. It's not like we go out there and we're kind of hoping he throws strikes and everyone's wondering if he's going to throw strikes. We, we say, look, you're not, you don't throw strikes. And we say it out loud and we say it to the group. And so those other players can kind of get behind them and, and rally behind them. That kind of helps with, with the culture as well. Sure, sure. Now, uh, my head coach has, has been uh, the head coach at Union for uh, a couple of years, let's just say like that. And so he has these different things that he wants to see done every single day. So you talked about little things and things that, that you're hard on them about. And the more I do this podcast, the more I realize that there are a certain few things that every coach has that they really, they want done every single day. So a couple of examples for us would be like every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we wear black top and every Tuesday, Thursday or Saturday or Sunday, whichever one we're practicing on, wear a red top and just things like that, just attention to details and trying to make sure that that these things get done. And uh, you talk, you talked a little bit earlier about how you're hard on them and the little, the little things like that. But what are some of those things like that for you, if that makes sense? So what are some things that you sure. are looking for every day? Like being on time obviously is a big one for everybody, but mm-hmm. what are some of the different things that you look for? Yeah. Uh, being on time is huge. Obviously we have down our right field line, you enter our field from the right field fence. We have a sign that just says do things right. And it's kind of been our, mantra this year is DTR, uh, which you hear a lot of times in different programs. They're there to tap that on their way in. And then they jog from the right field fence all the way to the third base okay. dugout. Uh, we don't allow guys to walk on the field at all. That's, you know, I think a common thing as well. We, our guys wear the same thing for practice. Uh, we call it training every day. And that is 
the only person that gets to wear something different is the winner of BP. And I think we might, you know, talk about that later, but as far as things that we expect, the one thing that I think uh, people that have coached against me or played against me know that our guys get on and off the field as well as anyone. It's really important to me, not just because it shows that you're hustling. It's, it, it's the foundation. It's the cornerstone of, of what I believe as a coach. If you make it out and you can sprint to your position, you strike out with the bases loaded, you can sprint to your position. I think it just shows that you're unselfish. I think it shows that you're not worrying about your, your numbers. I think it shows that you're not caring about anything else except for what our program is asking of us. Is it really a big deal? Not if you really look back at it. No, why, why does it really matter? But it's something that we do in our program relentlessly. You know, I tell our guys, I want you running off. When you're coming off the field, I want you passing by the other team that's jogging and make, make them aware that we're ready to hit or make them aware that we're ready to have a clean one, two, three inning. And I think just the way our guys get on and off the field is, is important. And, and it's one of those little things that we, we really mandate in our program. I like that a lot. And you guys are, it sounds like you're spending a ton of time with your players and especially after games and you guys are getting it all out. But is there anything in particular that you do to get closer to your team or to help bring your team together? Just thinking about a personal development with your players. Yeah. I mean, we, we, I constantly have conversations with them about anything and everything. They know that they can come talk to me about anything, just love on them. You know, we will, we'll, uh, we'll push them and they know that as hard as we are on them, it's because we love them. And there's times where things aren't going our way and we're, we're all in it together. I think the more I'm around the guys, obviously in the spring, uh, the more you can kind of see players that are having good days and bad days and, and just talking to them and kind of having dialogue with them will help. I think it helps the instruction instruction part of it more as well, because they, they trust you, you know, so they'll listen to you. They know that you're trying to do what's best for them. But I think, I think just them seeing how much time and effort that we spend every day in our training sessions, that's probably the biggest portion of my day mm-hmm. is planning one of our practices or one of our training sessions is, you know, I'm up at night and changing things all throughout the day, but we take a lot of pride in that. And I think once kids see how much time we're spending and we're not just, you know, being what we call high school, hairy coaches, just run it out there and take some ground balls. Like I mentioned earlier, and it's just not, not okay with us. We, we want to coach at a high level and we expect players to, to put effort at a high level. Let me take a few seconds to tell you guys about OnBaseU. OnBase University is an organization that studies how the human body moves in baseball and softball. They offer certification seminars that teach coaches, trainers, and medical professionals how to assess an athlete's physical ability to perform movement patterns that are specific to hitting and pitching. For example, they just put up a blog on their website, OnBaseU.com, that discussed why hip internal rotation is important in hitting and how they evaluate it with their OnBaseU screen. If you want to learn more about OnBaseU, I did a podcast with OnBaseU founder, Dr. Greg Rose, episode 78, who talked about this and modeled the screen after golf assessments that he created for TPI. They are hosting pitching and hitting seminars in Newark, Houston, and Chicago over the next few months. And I will be attending the one in Houston, and I hope to see you there. 
No, I, I think I think back whenever I was a player, and I I guess I just didn't realize how much time that the good coaches that I had spent on practice planning and getting us ready and thinking about uh, just what what they need to do to get each of us better. And I I just I took that for granted for sure. And now that I'm a coach, it keeps me up at night at times that I'm thinking, what what can I do? What can I do to get this guy yep. where we need him to go? And I, I, you know, for the players listening, that's that's something that goes through a lot of different coaches' minds. And we talk about being able to turn it on and off. Well, it's not easy. And so yep. we're we're in the middle of spring now, and you guys, we're we're both hopefully going to make a, a playoff run here in the next couple of weeks, and we're going to do our best to mm-hmm. to do so. But what is what does a typical week look like for you guys leading up to this point? And you know, I I love practice planning and I love being able to be efficient with it and be fast and and to do all of those different things. But uh, you mentioned that you that you take a lot of time on it. So walk us through what that looks like for you. Yeah. So we'll have you know we'll do competition pretty much every day. But our basic our basically our weekly plan. We'll usually play two or three games a week unless we're in a tournament week. But we have typical training day we'll start with a team meeting at three o'clock uh, we have seventh hour uh, baseball class that we can use to be on the field sometimes but we never start our training session at that point i want all of our coaches and all of our players to be in the team meeting our team meeting is basically starts off with tomorrow's plan if we have a game or what we're going to be doing for the next day uh, i let our starting pitchers pick uniform so we'll say you know what's the plan for tomorrow what uniform okay we got that out of the way and then we'll kind of just talk about whatever's relevant whatever's important during that time many times we'll use that time to talk about the previous game i take a lot of pride and i you know if there's one area that i feel pretty confident on it it's kind of knowing the pulse of the team and what our team needs as far as do we need a pick-me-up day do we need a day where we kind of let them see some failure and i take a lot of time figuring out where we are with that. And so we kind of discussed that in our team meeting. And then we have a quote every day. Sometimes that's a quote that I, my thoughts, many times it's a famous quote or a quote that people uh, haven't heard. And that quote is always geared towards what should we be thinking about right now? Are we, you know, we're in the middle of of a 13 game winning streak right now. So the other day we talked about the pride comes before the fall. And I had all the kids write down, what are three things that's going to stop us from our goal or stop us from winning? And I made all the guys write down, text me three things. And then I read those things out loud to the group. And I felt like it's a good time to kind of say, look, we weren't going very good early in the spring. And we were having a lot of conversation of what we need to do to get better. Now that we're playing better, let's not forget what things we were struggling with and how quickly that can turn if we are oblivious to those things. So we'll use that time for um, the quote and then we will get into our training. We'll, um, I have them read a card before every practice and it just talks about how they're going to be a hard-nosed practice player. It's a little laminated card, maybe three inches by one inch and they all wear them in their hat. They stay the same thing. I've used it since I started coaching. Um, and so they'll go on a knee and they'll read that card every day. They switch players who's going to read it. And then we get started. We do our catch play. Our base running is always done right after, or excuse me, we stretch first. Then our base running is done every day, right after stretching. Then we go into catch play and then straight into, uh, straight into our training. So after catch play, um, you know, something that I really, really enjoy getting to see is, 
because everybody everybody's is a little bit different. But what's your BP look like? And you mentioned earlier that you have a is it a play prac, a BP player of the week? And how do you how do you measure that, or how do you decide who gets that? Yeah, so we have. Um, I started doing this about I think about ten years ago. I cannot remember. I cannot remember who I got it from, but uh, they basically chart their BP and. I've always thought that BP um, sometimes is just used to grip it and rip it and, you know, get after it. Even when you're doing a hit and run round, there's those players that kind of, yeah, I hit and run three of them and then I'll get after two of them and not really focus on the job or, or whatever the execution is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have an Excel sheet that basically I shared this at the high school national convention a, a couple of years ago, but basically it has all the situations that I, that I think we need to work on. So it'll have first it has some bunting, it'll have drag, it'll have sack, it'll have safety squeeze, suicide squeeze. And then there's everything you can think of with hit and run, move them, score them, flash, you know, off field, move them, off taco, mm-hmm. uh, screen, you know, the L screen. And they're all different kinds of categories. And during our BP session, our guys will try to execute whatever the rounds are for that day. Uh, there's also some straight rounds on there. Um, but they are, they have a coach is charting these rounds of BP and usually we go and set the five. So if we have hit and run, they sack their first one, they get a point for that. And then they have five hit and runs. And if they get three out of five, then we chart that three out of five. And then we count at the end of the day, how many points they have and whoever wins BP that day gets to they're the only one that gets to wear a gold shirt everyone else wears the regular maroon black or gray practice shirt and they wear gold the next day nice and so they'll take the shirt from somebody and then the back of the shirt says come and get it and it's just a way to kind of brag to the other guys like this that. is what we're this is what we're fighting for so if you want to wear the gold shirt then you better you know you better do a good job with our bunting we usually we call it bunt to hit if they get their stack down, they get all five opportunities. If they don't, then they only get three. So if you don't get your bunts down, you're going to have a really, really difficult time winning because you're going to get, you know, you're only getting 60% of the opportunities to, to get it done. While we're doing that, like I said earlier, we don't have shag groups. We have live defense. And so if a guy makes an error that gets taken away, you get a point taken away. A bad pre-pitch is taken away. I have multiple coaches and behind the behind the screen um behind the turtle that are calling out guys and they'll just call them out and say you know bad pre-pitch air whatever and then they know that they're getting their points taken away so some guys start off at negative two or three before they even grab a bat perfect and is that the so i'm I'm envisioning this so you've got live defense and you've got a group that is hitting do you have base runners and do you have another group that is hitting somewhere else yeah we have a cage group um usually and a lot of times we'll even have another buck group. So we have about 20 guys on our roster. That live defensive group, it, it, it's not a live team defensive group. For example, there's not nine live defenders, and they don't throw you know, ground, ground balls. We don't throw across the first very often with that. This is live to the ball or live rep. So center fielder obviously isn't going to go chase down a double in left center. Mm-hmm. He's going to get his four or five hard steps, and then a PO is going to fill in and, and shag the rest of the balls that are in the outfield depending on the day, depending on who we're facing and what we think we're going to see in the upcoming game, will determine if we have a bunt station or, you know, we might have 
a velocity down the cage or we might have something soft down the cage or we kind of prepare them for whatever we think we're going to see with that. Perfect. Perfect. I love that. And another thing that I wanted to ask you guys about is, so, so you're, you're tracking your BP. Is there any other things that you guys track besides your BP setting, your live defense or anything like that throughout the season? Yeah. In the fall, we'll use a little bit of technology. We'll use a radar gun for exit velocity a little bit, just to kind of see where guys are at. I want them taking swings. We're pretty free with, we're not a team that will, we're not a traditional work behind a runner, move them, score them type of thing. I give my guys some freedom to, to try to bang a little bit more than most coaches, I think. And so we'll talk a little bit about uh, exit velocity with radar gun, and then we'll use blast motion a little bit. It's, it's hard in the high school setting, especially with us not, not being out that much in the fall. Like I would love to have the time to, to get everyone dialed into blast motion and show them some things. But as far as that's concerned, that's really all the data we, we kind of use. We do have some things in our cages that prepare us. We have some rope that we, you know, put on good launch angles for different guys. So we have three different launch angles in the cage ropes that represent certain launch angles, I guess. And we'll tell guys, look, you're, you're probably best working on this rope a little lower than, you know, one of our guys who can really bang it, he should be working on a little bit higher, higher line. But we, we do try to make sure we get the ball in the air and not on the ground and give them some freedom there. But I think the technology sometimes helps showing them where, where they are and what lines they should be on. No doubt. No doubt. And another thing that, that consistently came up and I think you gave a presentation about this and that's getting your team ready to play in the postseason. Do you mind sharing with us some things that you talked about with that? Yeah. You know, some of the things we've kind of already talked about a little bit, I think competition and everything is important. I think the tracking the BP and dump it trash can and all those things are are things that are important. But I think that it starts, you know, preparing for the postseason, in my opinion, starts the day you lose your last game the last year. So for example, this year, whenever we get knocked out, we'll have a conversation. I meet with, my seniors alone first, meaning if we have seven seniors, all seniors I talk to, thank them, tell them, you know, everything that I need to. And, you know, I'm a crier, so I'll be out there crying. I'm sure I cry every year at the end of the year, <laughs> every year at the banquet, because I just, I'm emotional and I, I care so much about, uh, about players that That's it's awesome. hard for me to, to not show, show my emotion. So we'll have that conversation. And then I call over the returning players and I say, look, and literally as they're walking away, as the seniors are walking away, I tell our guys, that's what we got to, that's what we got to replace. That's what we have to be better than next year. So we don't, we're not in this position, in this position where we get knocked out and we say, how are we going to fill those innings right there? How are we going to substitute middle of the lineup guy right here? How are we going to do this? So I kind of challenge them the second we're done. We obviously take some time off, but that way they can kind of chew on, okay, well, I'm going to try to fill that role or this guy might be able to try to fill that role. and then we kind of get going in the fall and, and see who can produce that way. Competition through everything like we talked about is really, really big for us. I think we talk a lot in our program about other programs that I think are worthy of state championship contending teams. So we have Hamilton high school in our, in our conference, who's the monster. They've won a million state championships. We have desert Vista just down the road as a rival that are very, very talented. Corona high school is very, very you know talented. So, we talk about them a lot, I think, to the point where sometimes our guys are kind of 
annoyed with how much I talked about it, but to beat the best, you have to be ready to play the best and play your best at, at, at the right time. And so just a lot of dialogue with that. And then, you know, in the weight room, I'll put some competitions together. I'll partner guys up that are around the same strength and give them two weeks and say, this is where we need to be. Who's going to win competition at this point, at this point, at this point, you know, we have different checkpoints for that. But I think that one of the biggest things is we, we talk a lot about fear and pressure. And I think um, when we're taking ground balls or let's say we're doing our bunts or whatever it is, things that just seem kind of routine and monotonous, I, I really tell our guys to put what we call internal pressure on themselves. I want them to take a ground ball and think that they're in, in a stadium with thousands of people. And if they boot this ground ball, we lose. We lose the game. And when you do that and you actually can feel that and believe that and and paint that picture, your heart rate kind of speeds up a little bit and you start getting a little bit of that, you know, that juice that you're going to feel in the tournament and you can handle that better when it comes. Because if you don't do that, all of a sudden this, this situation is on you in a hurry. Bases loaded, two outs, bottom of the seventh inning, we're down a run facing a guy on the mound that's what i want them to be thinking about off of the tee that's what i want them to be thinking about during bp so sometimes i can see us not doing that and i'll tell our guys put some pressure on yourself don't just do this lazily so that when we are at tempe diablo stadium or we are in a you know spring training facility that it's not too big of a moment because you've done it a hundred times in your head i think that's a big part of it and i think coach otis brought a presentation in 2014 to our team. We were very, very, very loaded. And our fear was like failure. Our fear was if we don't win, like this is a, this is a failure. Mm-hmm. And that's a rare thing for, for a high school team to, to feel, I guess. But he, he made a presentation called fear is a liar. And it just helped us understand that fear is not an actual thing. It's something that you choose to do. You're, you know, you're choosing to be nervous. You're choosing to be scared. Mm-hmm. And I think it just helps us deal with that when the time comes because everyone's going to be nervous. Everyone's going to have a fear of failing, but who handles it better and who's talked about it more and who's in front of it will help in the playoffs. Oh, that's fantastic. And you, you hit a little bit of what I was going to ask next and that's after the season, but what does, what are the summers look like for you? And are you able to have contact with your kids and just, uh, if you could walk us through the two months that you guys have, I guess, off from school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't have um, our summer program. I, I'm not around our summer program a lot. Uh, we play about 12 games in June, and they'll play two tournaments. Um, and I'm probably at six of those games, maybe half of them, um, and maybe one of the tournaments. I really like to use that time for my assistants to be quote unquote head coaches because it allows them to build a, a different relationship instead of coming to me for questions and me disciplining and me coaching over and over. I feel like it gives them a chance to do those things that a head coach would normally do. And I feel like it really helps our assistants and it helps our players kind of gain a little more respect for assistants as well. Mm -hmm. I have three kids and a wife. And so that's kind of my time to, to, you know, unwind a little bit as well. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty heavily involved in USA baseball and our junior Sunbelt team. I coach on the junior Sunbelt team, which is, about a 10 day commitment in Oklahoma. God's country. And so, 
Yeah, it's a great place, man. McAllister, Oklahoma, I love it. It's fantastic. So I've been on the staff for a number of years, and it's my favorite, you know, besides the spring, obviously, it's my favorite tournament and and event. It's just a really cool deal. But that gives me a chance to do those things. And, and also, you know, we don't have uh, any – we lift in the summer. Uh, we lift all summer. But we don't have any practice or training sessions. Okay. We get to the game one hour before. So if we play at seven, we get there at six and we stretch for about 15. And then we hit wiffle balls for about 20 minutes. And then we take ground balls for about 15 minutes and then, you know, throw and, and get and go. So um, we use that hour basically as practice before the game starts. Cool. How many days do you guys lift? Uh, we lift four days a week in the summer. Uh, awesome. Right now we lift in the season. We lift four days, four days a week. We lift before school. So it just depends on the time of year, but in the fall we go every day. And, uh, so summer we go four, fall every day, uh, excuse me, every weekday, I should say. And then in the spring we go four days. I love that. So with, uh, with looking back and if you could go back and, and talk to your first year self, or you could talk to some different first year coaches that are listening, what advice would you give yourself and what advice would you give to them? just be consistent. Uh, I, I was really fortunate enough. I got some really good advice. Um, coach Jerry Dawson was the head coach at Chaparral for years. And, uh, I talked to him and a couple other coaches that I respect that are still coaching or just got done coaching. And they all, I think I asked about seven guys for advice. Um, when I, when I first became a head coach and the only thing that they all said similar was be fair and be consistent. And, even though that's not always the easiest choice, making the same decision, whether it's your best player or your worst player, knowing that you have a standard that you're going to hold your players to. And it, it becomes easier as you, as you know, the longer you get coaching, the longer you're trying to do these things the right way, it becomes a lot easier. Just being very consistent with everything you do and very fair. It's sometimes brutally honest truth. Um, kids are, talking to you about playing time or parents are talking about playing time, just being able to let them know where you are because an honest truth, I think will help, I guess, parents understand that you're, you're doing it for the right reasons. Sure. Sure. I like the clear and concise communication piece as well. And so you're, um, you're sound like you're a constant learner and you're talking about how you're changing things a little bit every single day and, and you don't want anything to ever stay the same, but if you had to boil something down, that you've learned lately that has gotten you really excited, what would that be? Our, our batting practice uh, is less feel good. It's less just coach throwing at 50 miles an hour from a certain distance. This season we're, we're challenging our, our batting practice a lot more, whether that's a live pitcher or a lot of times we've been using the machine. Uh, we have a hack attack, junior hack attack machine that we use and we change speeds and we, have some run to it from lefties or righties and we mix in some, you know, things that they're not expecting. Um, I've used machines in the past where I'll say, okay, this round curveball and you set it up and it throws a curveball, whether it's a really good one or a really bad one, they know it's coming and, and that's good. We do a lot of that in the fall, but now in the spring, um, this year more than ever, I've, I've done that and I, I changed the pitch each swing. So the location is going to be about the same because it takes too much time to move the machine back and forth, but I might move the knob a little bit to make it run a little bit more or, or turn a change up down a little bit. Sometimes I'll keep it right where it is, 
you know, the play, we play music during BP, so they can't hear the machine going faster or slower. And they're just really, um, trying to see, see the pitch as a machine and it's not feel good. You know, our, our numbers for like executing, like we talked about BP charting are way down instead of somebody getting 30 points, they're getting 17 points this season. But I think it's helping us not get stuck in taking too big of swings and, and being just a little more disciplined at the plate and seeing certain pitches. Sure, sure. So this is probably my favorite question because I always like to steal things that I know that I could take tomorrow that the kids are going to like. So if you showed up tomorrow and you said, hey, guys, we're doing this today in practice, they just explode because they love it. So what would that thing or things be? Yeah, this we have something called uh, Clutch Up BP, and we, we basically have four groups of four. It can be any, any amount of groups, but that's just what we have this season. So we have one of the groups is live hitting, one of the, and that's four, four players. I let them pick their own teams. One group is live BP. The other group is infield in or infield back, but there's an infield group. And then we have four guys that are in the outfield. They could play wherever they want. And you, there's a point system. It's all timed. So we'll go, you know, depending on the day, we'll probably go eight to ten minutes a group. We start a timer. We start throwing BP. Any ball that runs through the infield, ground ball through the infield, is worth one point. Any uh, fly ball that touches any grass in fair territory is two points. Any ball that hits um, the fence, the outfield fence, on on the ground or in the air is worth three points. And any ball that leaves is four. And they love it because it's competitive. Um, The fourth group is our off group, and they're behind the turtle and they're they're getting after it they're trying to get in the hitter's head and our hitter's job is to try to just block out all the noise and keep making good swings so if you get a point then you stay in if you foul a ball off or miss then you're you're out of the cage so it gets competitive and it gets pretty cool because you get a guy that goes on a little bit of a run and he's in there for 10 15 swings or uh, you hit a ground ball you know and and a player misses it instead of that being an out and next guy getting in the cage, this guy gets to go again. And so you just keep going. If you get points, you stay in. And uh, it gets really competitive. It's fast-paced. Guys are in and out of the cage very quickly because they don't want to waste time with their reps. Um, it makes hitters hit. They're not taking pitches that are just on the outer half because they're trying to you know, turn and burn during BP. Mm-hmm. If they take a pitch, it's hurting their time. So sure. they have to get out. They have to get after fastballs away and, and do some things like that. It's, it's easily the thing that they, they like the most. No, I, we actually may try that today, just saying. So that's that's awesome. Uh-huh. I, like that. I really like the fourth really group, too, that, that you're behind talking trash because you got to clutch up, right? Yep. And and also, it help, outfielders, you know, my biggest pet peeve during batting practice is outfielders that watch balls. And so this one, even if it's not hit to you, you have to take a good angle because you can cut down a point just by stopping, you know, just by stopping the, the ball from hitting the fence. And so, you know, that's that every point counts. They're usually really tight games. I ha- I picked four guys to be captains and say, don't forget about defense. Don't forget about infield play. Pick who you think, can, you know, field a, field a hard hit ground ball or who can take good angles in the outfield. But yeah, it's a, it's a good de- deal. We try to do it usually once a week. A lot of times we do it on Mondays. We have every Monday, we have what we call Monday drills. And that's where we go over our PFPs, our pick plays our trick plays are, you know, all kinds of organizational plays, I guess, if you will, on defense, first and third, 
and then we'll usually go into gauntlet and uh, clutch up and do some things like that. So, oh, that's I've heard you're the trick play master, but I don't think that we could get you to share too many of those on the air. So I may have to do, <laughs> may have to do that on the side a little yeah. bit. Side note, yeah, yeah, for right. sure. I, I don't mind. I, I think it's fun for the kids, and I think it, you know, for us sometimes we do it. You know, a lot of people think. Well, they might be doing it too much. Sometimes I'll do it even when I think it's not going to work. I do it just to kind of change the pace of the game, mm-hmm. get the pitcher's mind going in a different direction if he looks like he's struggling a little bit. But yeah, I, I'm all about it. I like, I like that kind of stuff for sure. Definitely. Well, uh, this is the resource question, and I, I always like to end this one just because, again, we're we're all learners. We're all trying to listen to this show to get better from you. And so what are some things that have changed your coaching career? It could be people, books, videos, uh, conferences, anything that we could go to to try and learn some of the di- different stuff that you talked about today. Yeah, I mean, all the all the clinics and, you know, that's my biggest resource, I think, is, is clinics, podcasts like this, the ABCA podcast. I try to, you know, I don't have a lot of time to read. I don't read too much. Um, I do read a little bit, but basically everything that I go to, whether it's our state convention, uh, any kind of national clinic or whatever it is, I have a list of things on my phone that I break up into team meeting stuff, like a quote that I like, then we'll go into all these things, team defense, individual defense, BP, pitching, all these things, and I'll put them in my phone, and I have things from 12 years ago, and when I go through and make our training plan for, for practice that day, I will look through every single day i'll say okay what have we not done we haven't done this oh oh yeah i remember this about base running i remember coach so-and-so was talking about this mm-hmm. let's try this today and then i just put notes down next to it whether or not it's something that we liked and i, I liked or didn't like but my biggest resource i think is all the other coaches and it's not just baseball coaches is you know any sport I'm, I'm obsessed with watching championships i tell my players all the time i'll go to championship games that have you know not baseball not anything not football just any kind of a state championship game i love going to to see and listen to coaches and listen to what they say after the game and their press conferences or their you know reporter asking them questions i think that's invaluable information but just learning from all the different coaches that i either played for or coached against i think for me growing up i think it was a disadvantage for me but i had three different head high school coaches and I had a new coach every year I was in college. And so it's rare to play through high school and college and have I had seven coaches or six coaches through that time. And I've kind of used the things that I liked about them and molded it into kind of my own philosophy, I guess. Definitely. Definitely. Well, Matt, man, you have, you brought it today, just like I thought that you would, and you've shared a ton of different content with us and stuff that, that we can all share and take uh, and steal from you. But uh, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, what would be the best way to do so? The My email um, is probably the best way. It's uh, mdenny at tempeunion.org. Okay. And that's probably the, the best way. You could also get in touch with our Twitter account, um, Zona Baseball Instruction Twitter. Uh, that would be a good one. Other than that, you know, email is probably the best way. And exchange phone number. I, I try to call as much as I can. So uh, I'm always up for a conversation at any hour. <laughs> Talk about baseball with certain guys. So, oh, fantastic. Well, I'm going to open it up for you to just talk to us a little bit and open up the mic for you to say anything that you want. But is you know, is there anything else that you'd like to tell our listeners before you go? 
No, uh, I, I appreciate being on. I, like I said before, I'm hum- humbled and honored to uh, be on. I think as far as advice for other people, be a part of your association. I think it's a, a big deal to uh, be a part of a group of coaches and network with coaches. I know there's a lot of states that uh, have low, you know, participation with their with their association. Um, try to get to the clinics. I think obviously our national conventions are through the roof and numbers are, are getting better and better. So just continue to keep doing that within your association and don't hesitate to reach out. I think sometimes coaches are afraid to ask other coaches and you'd be surprised with how much information you can get from, from coaches, even coaches that we coach against, you know, I, I we had Josh Garcia from Brophy on, um, on the show and I've listened to that podcast and we've had different conversations about certain stuff. And I think it's just really important to, uh, network and and get information from different people thank you for listening to ahead of the curve you can subscribe on your favorite podcast platform which could include apple podcasts google spotify stitcher or youtube and if you're enjoying the podcast please share it on social media to help get the word out once again thank you for joining us